That is such an awesome song. And uh, they used to travel and sing together, and so I've, I've had the privilege of being able to hear that song many times. But it's amazing to me what songs really convey when you let them enter your soul. Not, not just listen to the rhythm, not just listen to you know, the words, not, not just kind of on surface let it penetrate you, but when a song rocks you. It's when it really penetrates your soul and gets a hold of who you are as a person, right? Amen. And this weekend, amen, that's right. This weekend, there was a song that did that for me. Now, there were two of us manly men that got to go to the ladies' conference. I just want to say we were the most manly men there. All right, just make sure that's really clear. I was more manly than he was, but <laughs> Josh and I, we got to be at the ladies' conference because Josh, of course, does the worship and, and there's nobody else to do sound, so I get to be there. And there was a song, as Brooke said, that they introduced this week, which we sang as the last song of worship. The, it's it's uh, called Miracles by uh, Jesus Culture. See, that's a song that can penetrate your soul. If you let it, it can penetrate your soul. But you know what? Every worship song is a song that can penetrate your soul if you let it. And when you let it, there's power that comes with that. We experienced a power and connection through the Holy Spirit yesterday and Friday night that I don't know that we've experienced here in this room, at least not me. It was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. Being the manly man that I am, I couldn't stop crying. <laughs> and I was up here like, this is ridiculous. I'm glad this isn't like being filmed or anything. Which, by the way, welcome to all of you online. I, I notice out there, again, as I said last week, we're missing some people. We're... huh? Move over. You know, a camera person should be able to figure that out. Just saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we clearly need better equipment. <laughs> um, but uh, as I said last week, you know, we're missing some people, and it breaks my heart. You know, I, I, I look out and I see Joe, and I'm so glad to see you, Joe. But we miss Manetta. We pray for her every day. And if she gets to watch this, if she's watching this live right now or gets to watch this later, Manetta, we miss you and we pray for you. And we love you very much. And then I, I obviously the Sellers family isn't here. And we miss them and, and we pray for Carson so heavily. And we miss them. But do you miss the bride? Do you miss the people that God puts in your life that, that aren't just family, aren't just there because... You need them to be family, but because they are part of the bride. They're part of your church family. And, and not even just local family, local church. I'm talking about the bride as a whole. Do you know that when you get to heaven, it's not going to be difference between Ignition Church and ABC Church? Because we're all the bride. 
When we get up there, we're all the bride. So why aren't we the bride here? We need to be the bride here, right? So I look out and I, I just, it breaks my heart because I miss them so desperately. But then it's filled with hope when I sing a song like Miracles. It's filled with hope because, see, that's scripture. That's a promise. That isn't something that you just hang on to in, in the hopes that one day we'll be with Jesus and it'll all be good. See, he gives us promises for right here, for right now. And, and in the case of those people I listed, and specifically Carson, he's been giving us promise after promise after promise of what he is about to do in Carson's life. And we're excited about it. And when we sing those songs, we believe it. And we trust in it. And we thank him for it. Right? So we're excited for what he's going to do. You know, I, I, we're, we're in this series here. And um, you can move it to the next slide. I mean, not that God isn't the God of the impossible anymore, but he still is. But I just want to show you the newest cool night. Okay? And, and I, almost, I was tempted to go ahead and show you the progression of all my nights so far. But, see, next week's the last one, so, so I, I can't quite do it. I'll do it next week. And, and next week, honestly, is the coolest one. When you guys see that, it's just, I know girls are like, okay, whatever, you know, it's, it's a night, right? Guys are like, yeah, I want to be that right there. That's what I want to be. Now, I thought this one in particular was cool, and I have no idea where these kids, these probably come from, from uh, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, I think there's a, a video game that, uh, that is about knights and stuff. Um, I did I did do a little research and make sure it wasn't coming from a bad place, but but this night in particular I thought was really cool for what we're talking about today. This idea of helmet of salvation. I want you to look close at his helmet. What do you notice? Bingo. He can't see. There are no eye slots, right? But what's he looking through? He's looking through the cross. See, that's why I picked this picture for this day, because his perspective of everything is the cross. If our picture in everything, in every place that we walk in life, if our picture is through the cross, through the filter of what Jesus did for you on the cross, your whole world's going to change. Your whole understanding of what Jesus wants in your life is going to change. So we've been talking about this armor of God. And I've got to tell you, the Lord wants me to share this, this story. I didn't want to do it, and, and then I did, and then I didn't. And I kept giving the Lord excuses as to why I shouldn't. And he said, no, you need to. But he is going to let me give you a, a little disclaimer first. Okay, This week, I got... Just about the sickest I've ever gotten in, in, in a short period of time. I mean, you don't see any difference from when you saw me last week or even Tuesday night. But it was interesting because Tuesday night is our prayer service, right? We come here and it is just the most incredible, unbelievable time. If you have not been able to come out, I want to encourage you to come out. 
because it is reaching the throne of God. That's, that is what Tuesday nights are. That's what the call every night is. But Tuesday night we were here and, and it was just an amazing time. You know, I, I felt fine. Everything was great. I, I got in my car. I pulled out of the driveway. Okay. And the moment, and I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not, I'm not embellishing this or anything else. The moment my back wheels got off the driveway, I started to feel really sick. The moment. As a matter of fact, pulling back, I thought, what in the world is that? Because it wasn't a sickness, it was a pain. It, it was like, I wouldn't say like a knife, because it became like a knife later, but, but it, was, it was almost like if you take a finger and you push into somebody's stomach, in my upper stomach, and just push as hard as you can, somebody really strong, I mean, that, that hurts, Right? It just starts to hurt. It may not cut. It may not feel like that yet, but it really hurts. And so I'm thinking, oh, okay, am I hungry? <laughs> that's, my, that's my default. <laughs> I'm go eat. No, okay, that's, that wasn't it. So, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I, at the time, I'm thinking, Lord, what's going on? Because this doesn't feel like a normal progression of something. This feels, this feels more... Um, more like a strategy than that because of the timing of how it happened and how immediate it was pulling off. Now, here's my disclaimer about this, okay? When I tell you what happened here, it's really important. You promise me one thing. Now, some of you, this won't even affect, okay? Others of you who tend to self-condemn, do not do that. Do not self-condemn. Don't later on start to apply what I am saying. Oh, well, maybe that's what is going on here in my life because I'm this and I'm that. Okay, don't self-condemn. That was the, that was the discussion I had with the Lord because I, I didn't want people to take this in the way that they would immediately look at everything in their life as a condemning thing. You have to look at my life. Okay, you have to look at where I am with my walk. You have to look at where I am in my calling. And, and this place is what set up what happened. Okay, Satan, because of the steps that I have taken, Satan looks for any chance he can to get authority in my life. So I pull out, and I, I'm, I'm driving home, and, and as I'm driving home, literally, it's, it's about 12 miles to my house. Literally, all the way home, every, every mile that I went, it got worse and worse and worse. And it, it wasn't nausea. It was pain. And, and, of course, I didn't tell anybody because, you know, I know how that works. Well, you know, you're about to die, and here's all the ten things you got. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I get that, and I understand that, and I love you, Mother. But... Uh, <laughs> But you need to let it settle for a bit first. And, and, and I was confident that the Lord would reveal to me what this was. And I was also confident that this was not something just physical. Okay? So as I get home, and, and I think we turn on Fox because that's just what we do. <laughs> um, and we're, we're watching Fox, and, and I, I'm telling Alexi, I'm just not feeling good. It, it, this is, I've got this pain, and, and then all of a sudden the pain starts turning to nausea. 
Okay, now, if you know me, I would rather be stabbed than throw up. Okay, I'm dead serious. That's my wife. It, it, I, would rather, I would rather anything than to have to throw up. And to, and to lay there with nausea with the hope of throwing up is like the worst. You know, so, so it's like self-perpetuating for me. I, I lay there, I don't want to throw up, don't want to throw up, don't want to throw up. And then just the, the thought that it's about to happen makes it worse. And then that's like this whole cyclical thing. And, and it's, it's horrible for me. I, I just hate it. And I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, sitting next to Alexis saying what's going on and stuff like that. And, well, long story short, it not only went to throwing up, it, it, I'm, I'm pretty sure we found things that have been in there for years. Okay, it, it was the most violent I think I've ever thrown up. I don't know how, I think I will brook up. I don't know how I didn't wake Yvonne up, except maybe she had worship music on or something. But I'm, <laughs> you could ask Alexa, I'm yelling, I'm heaving this, and nothing, of course, is in there. I, I'm just heaving this up and, and, and yelling at Satan at the same time, and, and just angry and just sick and just, like, Lord, seriously. And this happened all night. I thought, May, well, maybe if I get, get it done one time, and then, okay, well, usually you get some relief, right? You get a couple hours relief, maybe. Gonna, okay, no, it didn't work that way. I got, I got maybe an hour relief. I don't know, something like that. But about every 45 minutes to an hour, same cycle. And, and it was... Nausea, but it was that pain too. But every time the Lord kept telling me, this is spiritual. He didn't tell me why though. And I don't, I don't know if that's just him allowing me to, 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 you know, really learn the lesson or what. Until the morning. And I, and I threw up all day and, and, or I mean all night. And, and it was maybe seven or, 7 or 7.30 in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, whatever. Um, I had just gone through the last bout of it and was praying, you know, Lord, please tell me what this is. Well, let me back up. At night, um, I, thought, I thought, okay, wait a second. Earlier in the day, I prayed, Lord, let, let me take on what Carson has for tonight just to give him a good night's sleep. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe that's what it is. If that's what it is, fine. That, that's no problem. Thank you, Lord. Well, then Carson calls me. You know, he texts me at night because he does that when he goes before the courts and we go together. And nothing had changed for him. So then it kind of made me even madder. It's like, <laughs> seriously? Okay, th- you mean I'm just sick? Come on. You know, so in the morning, I, I was just desperately praying, God, please don't make me. Do- I've, I've thrown up now probably probably five or six bouts of this, and, or however many it was, and maybe that's exaggeration, but um, I, I just finished, and, and I'm just praying, Lord, please tell me, tell me, tell me. Boom, he tells me. And I'm being very transparent here, but the second, the, the second disclaimer is, is I already, when I told my wife this story, I already told her she is not allowed to use this against me. Okay, so you are all witnesses of that fact. And by the way, none of you can use this against me either. Okay, but earlier in the day, a little bit before we went to, when we came to the Tuesday night service, 
I, I had to go out and do a couple things. I, I had to go and do a, a you know, bank and go to the dry club, whatever I had to do. And when I, whenever I'm out there, sometimes I just really enjoy to stop by Dairy Queen, get a, get a good old uh, blizzard, because they're good. They're good, right? Okay. And that's not a problem. And that's, by the way, you can't use it against me. I'm telling you. All right. That wasn't the problem. Okay. The problem is, when I got home, Alexis asked me, she said, you, have, you haven't eaten much at home today. You, have you been eating out? And my response was not to tell her, well, yeah, I went and got a blizzard. It was to say, well, well, no, this is what I've been eating at home. And I start listing the, the things that I had eaten a little bit of at home. And immediately I knew when I did that, you know, I, it's kind of deceptive, right? So I went on, went on my day. Well, the Lord told me that at 7.30 in the morning, that what it was, was even though it's small, it was a authority that you gave the enemy that opened a little door. Just a little door. And look at what he did. Okay, immediately, okay, when the Lord told me that, I went to the courts and I asked forgiveness for that. And I cast it away. I did not throw up again. Now, pretty much I had been through a, about an eight-hour workout. So my body had to recover from that. But I did not throw up again. It taught me a very important lesson, and this is the lesson that I want to share with you because it goes into what we're talking about today. The little things matter. The little things in your life matter. How often do we tell what we call a white lie? How often do we tell a little thing or, or even omit something that we should have said to somebody? And we think it doesn't matter. See, when you're put in a place of you are seeking God with your whole heart, you want him to take every aspect of your life and work with it, you've got to give him every aspect of your life. That includes the little things. That includes the gossip. That includes saying bad things about somebody else. Oh, well, they're not there. They don't hear it. They don't have to hear it. Because they're not the enemy. But there is an enemy that hears it. And when we give even the smallest authority in that way, did he come in and destroy my life? No, that's not what I'm saying. Gave me a rough night, though. And I, I, I feel God let him because it was an important lesson for me to learn. We have to watch every word. You know, James talks about every word, every idle word we're going to be judged for. Every idle word goes into who you are and your testimony. You want to be something for Christ. We, in this series, we're talking about on the offense for Jesus Christ, right? We're talking about putting the armor of God on, not just because the enemy's coming at us, but we're putting on our armor because we're running into the battle. Because God told us to run into it. When you do that, you put your, yourself in a position that you aren't normally in if you just sit back and not do anything. So you become a target. Just like you became a target when you got saved. 
When you got saved, Satan couldn't do anything more about your salvation. He couldn't do anything more about you going to heaven. But what could he do? He could ruin your testimony. He can affect your testimony to be able to affect other people. So that's what he goes on, right? So that's why this is important to understand. The little things are important. You know, Jesus said, if you are faithful in little... I will give you much. We think of that in terms of stuff we get, right? Or, or maybe ministry. You, you know, if you're faithful with, with a few people in a living room, then I'm going to give you much. That's kind of how we think of it. But you know, that applies to everything. That applies to how we live our lives. If you're faithful in the little things, this is an important lesson I learned from my dad growing up. I don't know a person who has greater integrity than him. And to make choices when nobody sees, to make choices, even, even, even duck hunting or rabbit hunting, when you have only so many you can get and you, you've gotten your fill and you want to get one more, well, no, we can't do that. Because the law doesn't let you do that. Well, nobody sees, so what? It's not about the fact that anybody sees. It's not about the fact that anybody else hears. It's about you. Integrity is about you. And, and we're on this journey of, of being warriors for Jesus Christ, and that is what this church is called to. But as a warrior, you've got to understand you've got to protect the little things. You've got to protect those things that don't seem to have really any weight to them at all. But they do. They carry so much weight. So today we're talking about the helmet of salvation. I want you to turn to Ephesians 6. We're going to read this again as we do every week. Ephesians 6, and we're going to read, start at, at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, the entire armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes or strategies of the devil. Verse 12. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And, and again, just to reiterate what those mean, those are not talking about different ranks of the enemy. Okay, I know that's, that's usually what's preached. It is not ranking of the enemy. That is actually areas that the enemy affects. Okay? You've got three different areas that the enemy affects. If you want to, if you want to, more information on that, um, you can go to the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And by the way, let me back up a second. The, the one that we pay most attention to is against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. That is the enemy who infiltrates our lives. Present darkness is a term for this world. Okay, Revelation 3, present darkness is a term for where we live right now. So the enemy penetrates where we live. The enemy is not just sitting off in some, you know, place where we can't really understand what it, he's just over there. I just say, if I ignore him, it's good. I, I don't need to worry about it. Okay, he is here with us in this present darkness. This present darkness is where we have to live because we are sinful flesh. 
Okay, that's where we are. So, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And have have done all to stand firm, then stand. When you've done everything to stand, then stand. And when you stand, you have to fasten on the belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Then last week we talked about, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And we talked about last week how that faith is the most versatile piece of the shield because it moves. Faith is moving. Your faith has to be moving. It has to be engaging. Right? It's not just this blanket statement and then you live your life. Faith is engaging in every little aspect of your life. And then verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, period. (laughs) Next week we finish 17. Okay, and and I'm going to, you don't need to turn here, but I'm just going to read another another verse out of 1 Thessalonians because it has to do with the same thing. 1 Thessalonians 5 8 says this, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I wanted to point that out because there are two different things that we have in this idea of a helmet and in this idea of salvation. We've talked about them before. I'm not going to belabor the point, but salvation is not just one package. Salvation is broken down into three layers. You have justification, which is what most of us think of when we say salvation. We are justified by faith. 100% grace. He did everything on the cross. All we do is accept him into our hearts. That's justification. When we're saved, we're saved for good. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. It can't, we can't even give it away if we wanted to. That is our Justification. Our sanctification is what happens from the moment we do that, from the moment we're justified, until the moment we breathe our last breath. That's our sanctification. That's what Paul talks about when he says, the hope of salvation. What is the hope of salvation? Jesus Christ is the hope of salvation. It's not that, well, the hope of salvation is that I'll get to live in heaven. That's not the hope of salvation. That's the guarantee of salvation. You don't have to hope in something that's guaranteed. The hope of salvation is the relationship that you can build with Jesus Christ in the process of sanctification. It's from the moment you accept him into your heart, you seek him intimately, we talk about. What does that mean? That means building a relationship with him. Have you ever built a relationship? You know, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes give and take. It takes learning about the other person. And and see, it's not just about knowing about the other person. You can know about another person without engaging with that person. Okay, I can know about Donald Trump. I can read 
you know, about his, his personality. I can read about what he's like. Do I have a relationship with him? Not that I'm aware of. No. Never even met him. A relationship comes when you invest in the person. Not just learning who they are, but engaging in who they are. Letting them engage in who you are. There's give, there's take, there's vulnerability. It goes way beyond knowing who they are. Way beyond knowledge. So this hope of salvation that Paul talks about as this helmet is a hope in our sanctification. A hope that even before heaven, we can literally have heaven here on earth. Because it's offered in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, can, can you imagine Paul's life? Okay, this is a man who went through literally everything, and then to top it all off, he gets killed. You know, it's, it's like, okay, from, from a knowledge standpoint, let's look at his life and let's say, wow, thanks. You really didn't have a whole lot of good. You know, uh, I, I, I mean... You didn't even get fully supported by, by the church. You, you, you built tents and you did this and you, you kept working and you did all this stuff and, and people would hate you and you'd love them back and all this stuff. Where's the good? Where's the hope? See, the hope wasn't in the other people. His hope was in the relationship with Jesus Christ. His hope was in the, the day-to-day back and forth of his Lord it wasn't, see, it wasn't just learning who his Lord was. Because that's something that you can only do from afar. And people usually don't give their lives for that. See, it's learning who he is through interaction, through hearing him. Do you hear from God? Do you try? See, communication is the greatest part of relationship. If there's no communication, or if the communication is one way, there can't be relationship to the depth that he wants it to be. So that's what this hope of salvation is. It is the sanctification or this relationship that we pursue with Jesus Christ. So why in Ephesians... Does the helmet represent our salvation? Why, why did Paul choose that piece to represent our salvation? And it's because our salvation represents the authority, and get this, the, the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. See, a helmet to a soldier, I, wanna, I didn't bring any pictures because I, all you need to look at is that, seriously. But... In Rome, okay, they had these helmets, and the, the officers were known by their helmets. You, you ever see pictures of the Roman soldiers, and you've seen them all the way from just this flat thing on its head that's this hunk of metal, all to the ones that have this big red plumage out here, right? Okay, that's not just because one guy could afford a better helmet. Okay, that was rank. That was authority, the helmet is what drove the authority. Why? Because their, their armor was the same. 
Right? Their, their armor did not distinguish them like their helmet did. I'll give you a perfect example. The Indians, the American Indians. Can you pick out the chief? Yeah, he gets more feathers. I, I don't know if he had to just pluck more birds or what. I don't, it, it, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that he could afford more, could catch more birds. He had the greater authority. So he was given the, the greater headdress if you will. So what Paul's talking about here is the idea that we have salvation as a helmet and it's not a one thing for each person deal. We have some investment in this. Now we're all given authority in Jesus Christ when we get saved, right? And we, we've talked about that a little bit. In Christ, our helmet rep- represents the level of effectiveness of our warfare, Okay, I want to repeat that because this is important where we're going with this. In Christ, our helmet represents the level of effectiveness of our warfare. Now, you could choose to not engage in warfare. You could choose to accept Jesus Christ and, and then just live your life how you want to do it. I mean, you're going to kid yourself that you're not in warfare. But you're not going to have any effectiveness. But see, when you decide to be effective for Jesus Christ, and you understand that you are made to be a warrior in him, as the bride, you are made to be a warrior in him, then your authority becomes important. You know, this is something we've been teaching now for two and a half years. And and the authority, you ask anybody that's been here for a while, you ask them how important your authority is in your life, your authority in Jesus Christ. And they're going to tell you it is key. It's key because you cannot fight without it. You cannot fight without knowing your authority, without understanding your authority. And you certainly can't be sent on missions that God wants to send you on if you don't understand you have the authority to do it. So so the authority that we have in this helmet in our salvation, in our sanctification, our relationship with Jesus Christ is critical to our effectiveness in this warfare. Our authority in Christ, like I said, starts at one place, but it doesn't just stay there. Okay, As we grow in our relationship with Christ, so does our authority. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 7. When we get saved... We are given authority in Jesus Christ immediately because we are purchased. We become bond servants, right? Paul talks about that. And, and it says here in, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 22 and 23, say this. For he who is called in the Lord as a bond servant is, as, is a freedman of the Lord. By the way, just to give you a little background, what it's, Paul's talking about here is you have, you have slaves and free and, and, and both can become saved. Don't, don't, you know, you, it doesn't mean that you're changing your status in this life. Okay, the, the freedom that is talking about being given in Jesus Christ is, is they were confusing it with the freedoms of slavery, stuff like that. So I, I didn't want to go back and give all that background, but that's what's going on. Okay, likewise, he who is free when, when called is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So 
Why? Because you were bought with a price. When we were, when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, we were bought with a price. That price was Christ's blood on the cross. He purchased you and we became bond servants to Jesus Christ. Now, at that point, that's like a starting point. That's like an entry level position, if you will. You ever started a company where, where you, you go in and you may expect to start here and they had you start here? You know, I, I, I was watching last night on Fox and, uh, um, what, what's the guy's name? Something World? Yeah, I keep thinking Wayne's World, but it's Waters World. There you go. Sorry, get the two mixed up. <laughs> I was watching, watching uh, uh, Jesse Waters. And, and he was, he was kind of saying how he started out at Fox. And, and he, he said, you know, when I started to work at Fox, I started in the basement. You know, he, he's working from two to midnight, Tuesday through Sunday, and minimum wage, no benefits, no anything else. And he, he's just doing it because he could get in. Just to get, and by the way, this is a degreed guy. This is a guy who, who had a, a high level degree that all, all his, Classmates went and made tons of money in finance and everything else. You know, so he started at the bottom. I think of that as our justification, our, our, our salvation with Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, we start out on God's team, if you will, with a position. The Bible says that we're bond slaves. We were purchased. We're owned by him. Glory to the fact that we get to be with him. We get eternal life in that. But if you think that's all there is, then you haven't been listening at all. We've been talking about this for a long time. There's so much more than just that golden ticket to heaven. So I want you to turn to John 15. We grow in our authority as we are obedient to Jesus Christ. John 15, we're going to begin at 14. 14 to 16 says this. You are my friends. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples, right? He says, you are my friends if. You are my friends if. Did you get that? You are my friends if. You do what I command you. See, there's an expectation to have a change in authority. There's an expectation to having a change in our relationship status with Jesus Christ. He said, you will be my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15. Excuse me. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. See, there's a point when we start out with Jesus Christ, and then we seek him in relationship, there are points of obedience where he lets us in to more of who he is. We don't just get saved and he says, here, 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 here's who I am. Learn about me. 
Get to know me. Let me know how I am. (laughs) No. He says, get to know me through relationship with me. Here's my word. Here's my truth. Here's who I am. Know that because it's living and breathing. But you have to engage with it. You have to have that relationship that you're not just being obedient to a word. Your your obedience is because of a relationship. With Alexis and I, if, if I wanted... If I wanted to grow my relationship with her, the last thing I would want to do is ignore her. If I want to grow my relationship with her and be able to interact with her and and have this closeness with her, the last thing I want to do is displease her. Last thing I want to do is not communicate with her. Why do we think a relationship with Jesus Christ is any different? You've got to remember... Jesus is a man. He is 100% God, but he is 100% man. And he did that for a reason. He did that for relationship. Why? Because we can't have a relationship with God without Jesus. You cannot have a relationship with the Father without the Son. Because he became a man. The Father didn't become a man. That was, that was the Father's will for the Son. He became a man so he could be that intermediary between us and the Father, between us and God. So our relationship with Jesus Christ is no different than a relationship you have here on earth. It's built the same way. You get to know them. You invest time. You communicate. You expect communication back. The only difference with Jesus is he never lets you down. He's never not there. You can't pick up the phone and, well, I hope, hope I get him. He always is there. He always will respond to you. Maybe not how you want. <laughs> he may be silent in ways that you want from him, but guess what? That's how it is with my wife. If you're in a relationship, that's how it is. They're not going to respond to you how you want exactly when you want it. Now with Jesus, it's awesome because he knows what you need. I know my wife thinks she knows what I need. And she does. That's why I didn't want to tell her about the blizzard. But Jesus does know what we need. And he knows who we are. Why? Because he wove us together. He intricately made us. So when we're obedient to him, and this is, this is a word that the church doesn't like, all right, in, in so many levels, it's a word that the church doesn't like. One, because maybe, maybe the, the reason for doing it is all wrong, and so, no, I have a freedom in Christ, and I can step in Christ, I can just whatever. Okay, but then there's the other side where I could just kind of do what I enjoy. I enjoy this here, so I'm going to give Christ my all in this here. Wow, i got to tell you what. 
That's not the God I serve. That's not who he is. He will not open himself up to you if you do not seek him. Right? It's not about him coming after you. He does that through justification. Sanctification is very different. Sanctification is you going after him. Why? Because he already did it all. He already laid the groundwork. He already paid the price. He's not going to force you into relationship with him. It's choice. He's not going to force you to obedience so you could draw close to him. It's a choice. It's a choice we all make. And sometimes it can be overwhelming to think, wow, where in the world do I even start with that? You know, okay, okay, Lord, clean slate this morning. I'll just walk in obedience. Ten minutes later, boom, something happens. Oh, man, okay, I'll start again tomorrow. That's not how he is. See, this is a relationship. Relationship, 1 Corinthians 13, it's all covered in love. He loves us. He cherishes us. So he listens to our failings. And he says, no, 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 keep going. You, you had the right plan. Keep going. Do it again. Do it again. Do it in areas of your life. Do it in the little areas. If you, if you can't make the decisions yet for the big areas, start in little areas. Start in talking to him. Start in, in prayer. Start in worship. I don't know which God likes better. Prayer or worship. I, I'm really... I'm, I'm at an odd. I, I, I just have no clue which he likes better because he just adores both. I, I, and I don't even know what I like better. I could tell you that's the most powerful part. You know, if you're here Sunday morning, I, I'm sorry, you're not, you're not getting the most powerful part of ignition because it's on Tuesday nights. And it's on that prayer call every night at 8.30. But just start there. But then be obedient. See, you can't be obedient without listening to him. You can't be obedient without being in this word and knowing what he says. And by the way, you're not going to be able to hear him and know it's him if you don't see him in his word. But see, that relationship goes beyond just the knowledge of his word. It goes to the relationship with his word. It goes to the relationship with him. That's speaking back and forth. So start small. Be obedient in the small things. He will then begin to take you down a path where you can choose bigger things. And he's a good, good father. He's, he's not going to throw you into the, into the flames that, right at the beginning. Because there's a training period. You know, you ever wonder why we've stayed 50 people for two years? You know, we've talked about this before. Alexa and I have built companies faster than this. It's because that training is essential. 
That training is where he builds you and prepares you into what he needs you to be. So see, he is preparing us. He is watching us take the little steps of obedience. And then he says, okay, we'll throw a little more faith that way. Let's do this. And when I say, it's like he and God are are developing this strategy for us, for building in our lives who he wants us to be. And that's extraordinary. And and anybody who's been a part of Ignition for, for the last couple of years has seen what he's been doing. I have seen lives. And I don't, I'm not talking about just lives change, like, oh yeah, lives change, they're happy and they're this. I've seen lives change. I have seen hearts be given to God consistently over and over and over and over again. Because they made that first choice of being obedient. And I'm I'm just going to be obedient in this. And if I fail, Lord, you'll help me and I'll try it again and I'll be obedient in it and, and, and then let you show me why I failed. See, failure is not an end. Failure isn't, well, okay, now I'll give up till next year and I'll do another New Year's resolution. Failure is not an end. Failure is another revealing of why it didn't work. Right? And when you've had enough of those, you do find what does work. Being an entrepreneur, I can tell you, I, 90% of the things that we try are failures. Any good entrepreneur, it's because they learn from those failures and they cut out the things that don't work. It's no different in our lives. We could go to the Word of God and we can see what He says work. And we apply it to our lives and we build relationship with Him. And when something doesn't work, Lord, like, what, like the, other, the other day when I was so sick, last Tuesday, Lord, what in the world? What in the world happened? How did I miss that one? He told me. Do you have an expectation that He'll tell you when you talk to Him? Do you have an expectation that he'll speak to you when you speak to him? He wants that. I can tell you from firsthand experience. I've been on both sides. I understand that. But he speaks to you. Why? Because he wants this relationship to be two-sided. He wants this relationship to be intimate. He wants it to be Fully sanctified. Fully sanctified. What does sanctification mean? It means to be set apart for a holy use. See, so our sanctification isn't just for us. You know that here at Ignition. Our sanctification, our relationship with Jesus Christ is not, my relationship with him is not just for me. It's for my wife. It's for my family. It's for this church. It's for the bride. It's for all those God puts me in contact with. Because it's set aside for a holy purpose. So we each have a responsibility in that way. And let's read this last verse, verse 16. 
You did not choose me, Jesus is saying to his disciples, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that you fruit should abide. And this is the part I want you to get. And whatever, whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You want to be a warrior? You want to be prepared for the battle? You want to be put in positions of being able to further the cause of Christ? You've got to understand your authority in him. And you've got to understand that as you build your intimacy of relationship with him, your authority changes. You go up in rank effectively. Because when you understand that, you're going to be a more effective warrior. When you understand that relationship and you develop that relationship with Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden the things that used to be a big deal before, they're just not anymore. To a trained warrior, to to fight an enemy that is untrained, see, to a trained warrior, that's easy. To an untrained warrior, that's tough. So there's a scale there, isn't there? There's a scale for each of our lives that we can face this enemy that is all encompassed around us. Can't get away from that because we're born into it. He is the prince and power of the air. We are born in simple flesh. We're born with a disadvantage. Understand that. We're born with this disadvantage, but we have a Savior. And that Savior, he didn't just offer us just a plan. He offered us a strategy. And that strategy is relationship with him. So that's the helmet. That's understanding our authority in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise you and worship you, God. I pray this morning, Lord, that this idea of authority just sinks heavy into our spirits. Understanding that there is nothing in this world that we have to take on ourselves but that we can take on anything that you lead us into. And Lord, help us as we develop and as we seek passionately this relationship with you. I pray you open doors wherever we're at this morning. Open doors for us to be able to walk in obedience and see what worked. And, and when, when we fail and something happens, Lord, help us to see what the cause of that was and learn from it. Because you're the best teacher. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, as you promised, to reveal Scripture to us, to reveal wisdom, to give us wisdom. You said, if we, any of you lacks wisdom, we can ask for it. You'll give it liberally. So God, we want to learn in this relationship walk with you. We want to learn how to draw closer and closer and closer. Because there is no end. There is no I'm finally as close as I can be. So teach us, Lord. Teach us, Lord, of our authority. 
In Jesus' precious name, amen. Um, this subject is such a passion of mine, and um, I hope you'll look into the website and get the previous messages and podcasts on Periscope and Facebook.